Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. Fight with growing confidence. Equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I am your host, Ryan Treasure. Uh, I want to give you guys uh, a, a shout out, all the listeners for tuning in since 2016. Uh, the, the program wouldn't be what it is without all of you. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the program. Uh, last week, we had a great show on. Uh, we talked about natural Navigating the business ecosystem keys to sales and success with uh, Dr. Sharon, who was just an absolute amazing guest. Uh, so make sure if you haven't listened to that episode and uh, you're a leader in business, you should definitely go check it out because we dropped some really nice gold nuggets uh, for some of you guys out there that are trying to, you know, take your leadership skills uh, to the next level or uh, uh, take those skills to the next level so you can go get uh, your job of the dream, your 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 uh, your dream job. Uh, whether it be a C-level executive or, you know, a managing director, partner, or whatever the case may be, or you want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I think uh, leadership training is great for all levels of business and all, all levels of personal development. Uh, it, it helps us in, in many, in so many ways. So, Big shout out to Dr. Sharon for being on the program. Today, we have a great show for you guys today. Also, we're going to shift gears just a little bit from uh, some of our business and entrepreneurial content that we've been putting out for the last two episodes um, and kind of talk about some stuff that's, you know, near and dear to my heart as a parent um, and and kind of have uh, some candid discussions on some things that are uh, very important in today's society that need to have some optics and some focal points placed upon them. Uh, and so we have a great guest that's going to be joining us today uh, who's been on the program before. He's returning. Uh, he was back on uh, uh, June of 2019. He was on uh, and we talked about suicide prevention and uh, the many facets of things that are happening in that space. And uh, we have Dr. Mark Goulston back with us again. Uh, he is the former UCLA psychiatry professional, executive coach, international speaker, and co-author of nine books with two recent co-authored books, written during COVID-19, Why Cope When You Can Heal, and Trauma to Triumph, a roadmap for leading through disruption and thriving on the other side. So I want to thank uh, Dr. Goulston for joining us today. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, Ryan, I wish I had your voice. You know, you have more of an AM voice. I have an FM voice. Mine's a little more mushy, but I love the, I love the crispness of your voice. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to give all the kudos to the microphone. <laughs> There you go. I have microphone envy. We, we can compare microphones afterwards, but it's great to be back. Thank you for having me back again, Ryan. Hey, I appreciate you being on. Uh, you know, there's been a whole lot of stuff that's happened since June of 2019. You know, here we are in uh, June of 2021, which is kind of crazy because it's almost two years um, to the T. Um, I believe the other show that aired that you were on uh 
literally aired on the 10th of June. We're recording this on the 9th of June. So we're one day shy of, uh, of, of it being, uh, two whole entire years, uh, since, since you and I have chatted and, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on in, in, in the world that's, that's happened since 2019. So, um, you know, what, what have you been up to? I mean, you, you're, I know, I know you're always advocating for suicide prevention and, you know, working on all those fun things, uh, to help get the awareness out there and 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 that uh but uh what what uh what have you been doing you know on 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 the side like have you have you have you started to go out and maybe go golfing or you know are you are you getting out and and getting some fresh air are you guys starting to get back to some sense of normalcy like what's uh what's things uh, been like for you well i'm in los angeles and so like the rest of the country we're we're getting back to normal but but it's interesting because i've been doing recent interviews and people are bringing up the fact that rather than people just jumping up with joy, there's a lot of people who feel listless and unproductive and they don't quite understand it, you know, rather than being all excited. Now there are some people that are excited. They're getting out there and they're going to Disneyland and places that are opening and something that people have found interesting to explain this unproductivity and listlessness, listlessness in people is I made the comparison that, when you and I went to high school or college and we had final exams, you know, what would happen is we'd have this adrenaline rush to get through. You know, adrenaline is not just about excitement, it's about danger. And we, one of the ways to deal with the stress is we had adrenaline coursing through our veins, which allowed us to push through final exams. But after final exams, rather than celebrating, a lot of people just collapsed. So if you can think of COVID as over a year straight of final exams. Yeah. We've been in final exams for over a year. And what happens, and this is what's going on in our body, is that when we're threatened or uh, in danger, uh, we get an adrenaline rush. And adrenaline insulates your, you from physical and mental pain. You know, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open at, in uh, at Torrey Pines with a fractured leg because there was so much adrenaline running through him that he was able to play. NBA players can do the same thing and get through a quarter on a fractured leg because of all the adrenaline going through them. And 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 that's what's happened to us is that we've we've been in this state of continued fear under under uh, COVID, but when the danger goes away, the adrenaline goes away. And the adrenaline insulates us from everything we pushed away so that we could get through it all. And the focus of why cope when you can heal. So there were two books that my co-author and I wrote during COVID. Why cope when you can heal is a lot of. And it's interesting, Ryan. When I told people, especially women or women who are more in touch with their feelings, saying, you know, we're writing a book called Why Cope When You Can Heal, and a number of women, when I told them the title, started crying. And I said, What are you crying about? They said. Uh, I've had trauma in my life and I got past it, but I never got over it. I cope, but I haven't healed. And I said, what do you mean? And they say, "Um, I'm not the same as I was before. I'm tentative. I'm cautious. I have occasional fun. I don't know what joy is. Uh, I get exhausted. I don't know what peace of mind is because the trauma broke something and so why cope when you can heal? Is there a way that you can heal so that you can not just get past, but get over the trauma? And so why cope when you can heal introduces something 
an approach that I used for over 25 years with suicidal patients, and none of them died by suicide. And we've given it a name, and it's called surgical empathy. Surgical empathy. And something that you may not know, uh, and some of your listeners may not know, but people who have been suicidal know, is that death is compassionate to hopelessness that won't go away. Death basically says to you, I'll take the pain away. And so one of the reasons people who just feel hopeless or useless or worthless all the time attached to death is it's compassionate to those feelings. And so what surgical empathy is, is when people can feel felt by you, not just understood or treated by you. And and when you can go into the their dark night of the soul with them, and they've only been there alone, the the uh, death and suicide which feels their feelings when they feel felt by you they may let go of being attached to suicide and attached to that empathy so that's what surgical empathy does if that makes sense yeah that's a very interesting concept and you know you're you're a hundred percent with the whole idea of you know you know, dealing with something versus actually, you know, moving past it and it not hindering you whatsoever. Uh, I think, I think there's a lot of people that have dealt with some type of trauma, uh, that are just coping and haven't healed. You know, um, I, I feel, I feel that way about my own, my own life. You know, my father passed away when I was 15 years old, I'm 40 some odd years old now. And I still, you know, I still like feel a void, you know, in my life, uh, especially as we approach Father's Day, you know, uh, even though I am a father, it's like I'm not celebrating myself, you know, I celebrate my my father. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I've just, I think I've just coped for the my whole life and never really actually kind of put it all behind me. There's times where, you know, I'm all of a sudden just thinking about my dad you know uh and and a lot of a lot of it comes up when uh when i'm thinking about my own parenting right my own parenting and what i'm doing with my own child you know and 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 then thinking to myself man i wish my dad was here because you know he 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 would have some great insight at 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 this at this juncture at this point Uh, i wish he was here to be able to see his granddaughter you know so um you know it's it's uh, a a little bit of of it's coping and you know dealing with uh for whatever reason a little bit of guilt um not sure why I feel the guilt around it, but it happens. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people that are dealing with situations that are, um, you know, similar to mine or something that might have happened to them when they were younger. And, you know, here we are in our middle ages. It's still kind of affecting us. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, are you game to try stuff on the, on the show that, you know, might help you grow? <laughs> game to try stuff. Yeah, I like stuff. Let's do that. <laughs> Because uh, there's a, I'm going to give you two parts of a conversation, and if you can feel them, I want you to feel them and and see what effect it has on you. Okay. Because as you were just speaking about your dad, I was just imagining your dad speaking to you, and I like you to imagine that as Father Day Father's Day approaches, that you hear your dad's voice saying to you. You don't know how proud I am of who you've become and the dad you've become to my granddaughter that I didn't see. 
and I'm really proud of you. You've done an amazing job, especially, you know, since you didn't really have me to learn from. And I'd like you to imagine him saying that to you, and all you feel is, I miss you, Dad. It's all you feel. So can you get into that at all? Yeah, 100%. Could you feel the change? I just felt the change in your voice, your throat, and my eyes when you felt that I, I feel that 100%. Yeah, I do. It, and you see how it slows you down and it makes you more present. Can you feel that? The, the energy flow of yada, yada, yada is wow. And then what I hear you saying that you're not saying is, you know, uh, I, I really feel what you just said. I really, I really, I really do feel what you just said. And it, it, it struck a heart chord with me. Definitely. And we don't know each other, but what I'm picking up is that if he could speak to you, he would say those words. I'm so proud of what you've done with your life, what you've become, the dad that you got to be. And, uh, and this guilt stuff you're feeling, put a sock in it, Ryan. You've done a good job. None of us were perfect. Just put a sock in it already. You've done good enough. And you love your daughter. Very much. And there's no better way to pay it forward from whatever, what little time we had together than to be the dad you've become. And if he was, I'm just picking up that if I was a betting man, he would say those words to you. Yeah. And I, and you know, and I think that's, thank you for that. Number one, I, I appreciate you introducing those, uh, that, that feeling to me. Uh, and you know, I think the guilt comes from just me always wanting to make sure that I'm the best father that I can be because I, because my father was taken away from me at such an early age. Um, and it was kind of a weird scenario too for me because my mom was a single mom until I was like six. Uh, and then she met my, my, you know, not my biological father, but who I consider my father. And so then I had a dad for whom the time I was, you know, six or seven years old. And then he passed away at, at me at, at 15. So I had a very short amount of time, uh, you know, with him. And so that's one of the things I always tell myself as a human being is just, you know, making sure that I'm uh, mentally and physically present for my own child, because I want to make sure to give her all the things as a father that I was, that I never got got to, to get you know what I mean I think that's where the so, guilt comes in yeah uh, I want to try something else because I can't leave well enough alone you get, <laughs> you're still game you game on this adventure we're on together yeah, yeah this is a good 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 adventure um, I want you to imagine going back as you are to your 15 year old self <laughs> And he doesn't know that he made it through because he just lost his dad. And I want you to imagine having a conversation with him, maybe right at the moment when it happened or when he just felt, geez, I don't have a dad anymore. And I want you to imagine you going back to him at 15 and he doesn't know the secret that he not only got through that period but he went on to have a pretty good life. He actually went on to have ch a child himself. So Ooh. can you describe the look on his face when he was 15? Just imagine seeing him, maybe he's just- He wouldn't believe me. Well, 
So I want you to imagine that you're going back to him and he's feeling hurt. He's feeling a little bit lost. He's feeling cheated because, gee, it wasn't even my, it wasn't my real dad, but he really was my real dad because he cared about me, but I just got him for eight or nine years. And, and I want you to imagine you going up to him at some time during that period and, and you say to him, how are you doing? And not believing you, he's a little bit guarded and he'd probably say, I'm fine. Yeah, he would. And then I, this is what you say to him, because we're going to take this adventure, adventure ride. <laughs> and he says, I'm fine. And you look at him and you say, you know, I've heard that when kids your age, when you ask them how they're doing and they say they're great, they're usually good. But when they say they're fine, they're not. So you're not fine. And he might be, you know, a little bit edgy, like, who are you? You can say, well, I, I had a childhood like yours. <laughs> so, and, and he still, he's, you know, he, he doesn't want to attach because he wasn't attached to another person because the person he was attached to just left. And then he's, uh, he's doing this with you. And he, and he says, so, so, so why are you here? Well, because I had a childhood like you and, and there was some things that I never thought I'd get through, get over, get past, and I felt kind of lost. And I thought, instead of just feeling fine, you might be feeling some of those feelings. And he, uh, you know, and he nods like the way you're nodding, and, uh, and he says, uh, could be. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Mark, and, you're, and, you're recreating a scenario that I've had to literally do with my own seven-year-old daughter probably two days ago. You know, she, I could tell she was moping around the house and I said, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? What's going on? No, dad, I'm, I'm fine. You know, and I literally told her the same thing. I said, you know, Marley, when people you say that they're fine, they usually don't mean that they're fine. There's usually something, you know, going on. Uh, I said, remember when you asked me the other day when the Phoenix Suns won the the basketball game? How, you know, how did I feel about that? And I said, that was awesome, right? That was me truly being excited and happy. And I said, I asked you how you're doing, and you didn't say I'm awesome. You didn't say I'm I'm doing great. You didn't say I'm happy. You said I'm fine. You know, and that gave us an opportunity to just sit down on the couch and have a conversation about, you know. Um, what was ailing her at the time and that uh, really she needed someone to talk to. And, you know, we, we talked it out and things ended up being, you know, uh, really good after that. And so we, we, her and I, father and daughter, we came to an understanding and communication that uh, I felt was, was super strong um, other than, you know, the standard things of trying to get her to clean her room and stuff like that. <laughs> So, so I'm going to deconstruct what happened because you, you're going to take advantage of that. That that was a breakthrough with your daughter. So when she said, I'm fine, when she wasn't, what she was really saying to you is, Dad, something hurts that I can't put my finger on and I don't know what it is. And, uh, and it takes away my feeling fine. And I don't know what the hurt's about. Uh, and, and what happened is you instinct, instinctually 
and this is why your dad would be proud of you, knew that rather than giving her advice and, and, and glossing over it, oh, everything's going to be okay. Kids have, all kids have these sort of issues. You're going to be fine. What happened is you invited her to talk it out and she felt felt by you. And when she felt felt by you, she felt less alone. And when she felt less alone, she started to feel relief. And so it might've been a little painful to have it come up and out, but once it was up and out, she felt better and the two of you felt close. And this is why your dad would say to you, Ryan, you know, you didn't learn that from me because I left you, you were too young, but you learned it somewhere. You did a heck of a great job with your daughter there, Ryan. I mean, where'd you pick that up from? And you, and you really helped her feel less alone. And I'm especially proud of you as my son because at 15, I left you alone. And look what you turned it into. Yeah, and Mark, do you want to know where a lot of some of these, uh, you know, uh, growing elements of, for me as a human being, have actually came from? They've come from this right here, right? Um, Working at Voice America for the last 18 years, uh, running radio shows about health and wellness and um, empower, empower, empowerment, excuse me. Um, you know, what, what, what is an influencer, you know, uh, marketing, business, all of these different kind of genres that we have on Voice America. You know, uh, when I first started working here, I literally ran radio shows on a mixing board, you know, for eight, nine, 10 hours a day, six, seven days a week, sometimes depending right when I was younger. Um, and I ran so many shows. I got to the point where if I wasn't engaged in the show and actually listening to the show, I would get bored. Right. And so, uh, because you know, we have talk radio after talk radio after talk radio show. And over time, you know, you can kind of mentally check out, but I decided not to check out. I decided to stay checked in. Right. And, and, and not, not take it as a, this is just my job, but actually listening to content and listening to authors and speakers and doctors and lawyers and psychiatrists. And, you know, I have picked up a whole bunch of just really good information um, about uh, self-empowerment and, you know, business and all those things, all just as a byproduct of doing what I do for a living. Uh, and so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that because I feel like that, um, you know, aside from getting a paycheck and being able to pay my bills, uh, some of those experiences and connections I've made with, you know, people like you and, you know, other hosts on our network as, and other guests on our network um, have allowed me to grow as a human being in a manner that no amount of education, college education, or anything could ever provide. You know, uh, and so I'm, I, I, you know, this this radio show over the last six years that we've been doing the show and interviewing different people, you know, has taught me so much. Um, getting the opportunity to be exposed to books I had no idea existed, right, and reading through some of those and going, whoa, that's the concept that I never even thought of before. Uh, you know, so I attribute it to you know a lot of those factors and. Uh, you know, that's, that's where a lot of that comes from. But then secondarily, we can't forget the most important person in my life. And that would be my mother who is like the strongest, most down to earth, 
I feel like she just knows everything kind of human being. Um, and, you know, it, and, and her, you know, between those two things uh, has really shaped the ability for me to have conversations in spaces like this that normally 10 years ago, I wouldn't be able to have a candid conversation with you about, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, healing and and getting past the coping and, and getting through some of those areas, or even in tw- 2019 when we talked about suicide prevention for that show. Um, you know, those are all things that um, are you know he- hefty topics, and you have to really be able to kind of dig down within yourself to have conversations on that level without sacrificing. Um, not necessarily sacrificing, but but doing it in an authentic manner, right? So, so you're not so, so you're not sacrificing authenticity because if you, I feel like if you hold back or you you know don't speak truths, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because you're not going deep enough, right? Yeah. So, um, I guess what came out so far in this show is I channel dead people. <laughs> So I'm going to switch from channeling your dad to channeling someone else who would be proud of you, doesn't know you, you've never met him. And that's Larry King, because I had breakfast with Larry King every morning for two years until COVID, part of his little breakfast group. And I learned a lot about interviews and interviewers and something that would cause him to be proud of you uh, is that you listen, you learn, you're curious, and you're honest with your audience. And I'll share a Larry story, which I think you probably never heard, maybe your listeners has never heard. And, and I remember at one of our breakfasts, he said to our little quirky group, he said, I've never been nervous in front of a microphone or a camera. Uh, and I said, what's the secret? He said, always be honest with your audience. And I said, when did that start? He said, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, I always wanted to be on radio. We didn't have television. I always wanted to be on radio. And then I got my chance in Miami. And there I was uh, about to be a DJ on a radio show. And the station manager came in and said, okay, Larry, you're going to be on now. Uh, How are you going to introduce yourself? And Larry said, uh, well, I'm going to say, hi, this is Larry Zeiger. Welcome to our show. And, you know, there's a certain anti-Semitism back in the world, but, you know, there was anti-Semitism, I guess, back then. And so the station manager, and he didn't take offense because it was so many years ago. And the station manager said, you you can't introduce yourself that way. So he's looking on the desk and he sees a advertisement. It says King's Liquors. (laughs) And he says, so he introduces himself. He said, said, uh, you know, good afternoon. Hi, this is Larry King. And that's the first time either you or I have ever heard that name. <laughs> that's awesome. And then it went on from there. And he says, as long as you're honest with your audience, he said, so for instance, when he was at CNN, if he was, if he was asked to cover for a uh, uh, Tom Brokaw, he'd say, hey, this is Larry. I've been asked to cover for Tom Brokaw. I guess he covers these topics. I'll do my best. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, try to fill you in on some of the news of the day. But uh, uh, and I think it's a great lesson. And I think you have that honesty. I think you're curious. You want to bring value to your listeners. So uh, I'm here to tell you, uh, as I'm channeling Larry, he'd be proud (laughs) to know you and say you did good. (laughs) 
That's awesome. You know, Larry is uh, one of my one of the guys I have always looked up to in broad in broadcasts. Uh, you know, I got the opportunity uh, uh, in in my AM and FM career to run uh, 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 to Tom Likas show. We did you know any syndicated show you can think of that was uh, within you know the the guys of 1995 to you know 2005. Uh, uh, you know, there's just been so many broadcasters, but Larry was definitely the the king of the cake, uh, so to speak, when it came to, you know, who I looked up to um, as, as I started entering the, the realm of broadcasting. I was like, man, that guy, Larry King guy is just awesome, you know, and I uh, always used to sit and watch Larry with my mom. Uh, at the house when when I was growing up as well and uh, seeing some of his specials and different things that he had and so that that means a lot to me Mark I appreciate that yeah you know he uh, he he interviewed 61,000 people and the only person he wanted to interview that he never got to is Fidel Castro mm. and they were actually on the way to Cuba and they got you know for whatever reason it uh, got turned around and and I think one of the people love to be interviewed by Larry because some people would say he was a, you know, he was a bit of a softball thrower, but he really wasn't. What it was is he was intensely curious and non-judgmental, so nobody was ever afraid of being hit with a gotcha. So he wouldn't corner you to embarrass you, uh, but he was intensely curious. Mm-hmm. So you could come in with green hair, and he would say, "What's with the green hair? How'd you? What? What made you decide to have green hair?" And you could be a school shooter. And he'd ask the same question. Jeez, on that day, you killed a lot of people. What was going on with you? And and he was never judgmental. And so people opened up to him because they were never afraid that he was going to corner them. Yeah, no, that's that that's that's really fine journalism right there because you're you're never going to get anybody to open up or to talk about a given subject if they don't feel comfortable with you and if they know that there's a zinger coming later or the possibility of one coming later um it makes it very difficult to have a candid uh interview you know and i i see this stuff all the time on a lot of the news organizations where they have panels on and stuff like that you know and you have you know your moderator who's the anchor whatever for the given uh, a news organization and then they have a panel of two or three or four people and it, the whole time the, all the panel is doing is trying to zing each other you know nobody's nobody is really answering the questions or getting to brass tacks on some kind of solution or whatever the problem is it's 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 three egotistical human beings all just wanting to have their ego be the biggest one in the room and then at the end of the day or the end of the 13 minute segment that just happened me as the viewer I'm never getting that 13 minutes back and I literally learned nothing and I don't even know what's going on. I just know that there's a problem you guys were trying to report on, but nobody actually came up with a solution. It was all just, you know, this person seems like they're better than that person. That person's better than that person. And the poor anchor's just trying to hold it all together. Well, you know, I, I think you, you could do a commentary on what's what's happened to not just the media and news and radio but the listener because what they're playing thing is let's see if we can embarrass our guests because that's more that's more watchable you know mm-hmm. if we can embarrass them or get them cornered and they get defensive and we'll even have the camera zoom in on it because that's more watchable because it's more exciting but at the end of the day what it's been is that's okay if you have a show that's meant to entertain uh it's a drama series or a comedy series 
But geez, when you're reporting the news, you know, I, I think there's a higher calling. We, we're here to just get the facts out as best we can and see where, where we are with it and what we all need to do and see if we can pull together. Yeah. But, uh, but I think you're absolutely right in what you're reporting. You know, there's a, uh, a local woman here. Uh, her name is Carrie Lake. Uh, she used to be an anchor for uh, one of the Fox stations. Uh, I can't remember if she did mornings or evening times. I can't remember. I think it was evening news, primetime evening anchor. And she was at the station for almost uh, 25 or 28 years or something like that. And in the middle of the pandemic with all the stuff going on, she quit. And then she put out a statement and she said, I'm quitting because journalism is not journalism anymore. You know, uh, the stations have decided to, um, you know, play a game of gimmicks and uh, and report on on fear mongering and, you know, these different things that she said she just couldn't read the teleprompter anymore because she knew deep down that all the station was doing was just trying to generate, you know, listeners for advertising dollars and not really giving out the news which I thought I thought that was very admirable of her to do that. And then last week uh, I'm perusing through my Facebook uh, uh, feed and I see a video there from Carrie Lake and I click on the video and I watch the video and it's Carrie Lake running for the governor of Arizona. Wow. Yeah. And when she just started talking about these things that are actually important to us in Arizona, which they're the same exact things that are important to people in California, our families, our schools, our taxes are, you know, those things that impact us every day. Um, and the video focused specifically on key elements of things that she knows that the Arizona public needs help with um, because our current governor is uh, his eight years is going to be over, so he can't run. So we have a big, big gubernatorial race coming up uh, for 2022. And um, I just, I just, I have, I just want to applaud her for for taking a stance, you know. And then for her to take a stance and then turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to try to even do something better for the state of Arizona by running for governor. Um, I thought that that was also very admirable. Um, and and you know, when you go from you know those broadcasting jobs in that particular area i mean they're 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 very high six figure paying jobs you know and to walk away from a very high paying six figure job just to make a stand you know that really tells you something about that person's character um and and you know so anyways i wanted to share that with you because i got you know as we were talking about larry and you know the state of uh, the media and so some of the things that are happening right now uh, i felt that that was uh, important information to get out and and let people know that uh, you know the the own media itself is starting to recognize these problems as far as how they're reporting stories and how they're delivering information to the general public um, to the tune that even their own reporters are quitting. Uh, and so, you know, I just, you know, as a, an independent broadcaster, which is the reason why I'm here at Voice America, I got sick and tired of working for radio stations that um, their entire narrative was driven directly by what the advertisers were uh, um, um, giving them because advertisers would threaten to pull their money, uh, you know, out of the station if, you know, the jock talked about this subject again that was against whatever their product may be or whatever the case is. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm still here at Voice America, because it's independent broadcasting. It's, 
you know non non advertising driven it's you know hosts of radio shows and podcasts that you know are are experts in their fields to get out all the information that they know from you know all of the years that they've been doing what they do and putting it in a manner where it's educational it's thought provoking you have thought leadership you know uh, well highly produced content and you know it's not being driven by some you know outside forces or uh, uh, any other person's narrative other than I'm the host of the show and this is what I want to share with you and what I think is important for you to know. So let me ask you something. I have a podcast that's called My Wake Up Call. Yep. And I get to interview some interesting people from Larry King to uh, Tom Steyer, who ran for president, to uh, David Shulkin, who was the secretary of the VA, and then he got fired by Trump, to Ken Blanchard, uh, Esther Wojcicki, whose daughters are these big, uh, uh, the CEO of, I think, maybe Netflix or something and 23andMe. And I always ask people, uh, you know, what's your, what's your purpose and what's your calling? And so, and then where'd you learn it from? So I'm gonna flip this a little bit because what you just said is, and I'm reading between the lines, but what I heard you say is, I'm doing this independent as opposed to having to kowtow to uh, against my values to advertisers because I feel the responsibility to my listeners. Mm -hmm. And my responsibility to my listeners is something I need to honor and I won't sacrifice that. So um, I'm giving you credit for that and you you can agree with it or not, but where did you learn to have this sense of responsibility to your listeners, sense of responsibility to your daughter, where you wouldn't sacrifice things? That's a good question. I've, I don't think I've ever thought about that before. Um, you know, I think but it's true. It's true. Don't, isn't it true for you that you feel, you know, you feel a I sense do. of responsibility to all these people? I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a provider for my family both uh, monetarily and emotionally. And, you know, I do feel a responsibility to maintain that. And it's not just at home. I feel a responsibility to maintain, um, you know, some some sense of, you know, chivalry, I guess, uh, in some way, shape or form in anything that I do. Um, it, you know, I, I, I can remember my dad, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to use one small curse for My dad was in the 101st airborne green berets in Vietnam. So you're not really getting away from a conversation with him without, uh, maybe a curse word or two, but my dad always used to tell me, don't do stuff half ass. If you're going to do it half ass, don't do it at all. Right. And so, you know, that mentality that idea of doing something and doing it right the first time um, has always stuck with me you know and then also seeing my mother who has the hardest work ethic I've ever seen in my life um, you know even before my father was in the picture and working two jobs and you know making sure to pay for a house after she had just gotten a divorce from a, 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 a violent 
ex-husband who beat her uh you know then having a child and you know working her way through all of those trials and tribulations and you know um you know watching my mom and my mom still works i've been trying to get her to retire for like five years she doesn't need to work at all she's got her house is paid off her car is paid off she's got investments and all of her stuff's all where it needs to be but she just loves people so much she can't stop working you know she's a uh, she's owned her own beauty salon for several <laughs> decades um, and she sold it five years ago thinking she was gonna retire and she still works at the same salon that she sold to somebody else <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because I think I think you just answered it is that is that you you want to you want to honor your dad and your mom and the people they were and what they taught you. And it's it's interesting because uh, uh, I had some challenges in, in my childhood, but I lucked out in having eight mentors and they've all died. So that's not too lucky. But but they all believed in me when I didn't. They all saw a future for me when I didn't. Um, uh, if they confronted me, you know, it was always laced with love. And um, and so there's nothing better than I can do than to honor all of them by paying it forward. And I don't have a choice. And I remember I, I shared this with someone who probably had issues and they'd say, well, that sounds like you, you, you have a guilt trip. You're feeling guilty. You have to do those things to still please them. And they're dead. I said, no, no, no. It's to honor them. Yeah. I, I don't know. do it. I don't do it out of guilt. I do it to honor them yeah. because of what they invested in me. And it sounds like you have the same experience with your dad and your mom. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just part of, your DNA. I mean, you know, it's not even questionable. And so, so they, they're all proud of you too. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Father's Day, Ryan. <laughs> so Mark, you know, when you, when you, when you think about Japanese culture, right. And the, the idea of, you know, a, a mother and a father and they have a child, right. And the child leaves the house and, and Japanese culture is just, this is the way it is. You know, you go out into society and you are a reflection of your parents while you're out in society and you don't want to dishonor them. Right. And so I think that's kind of the mentality that I have. In, in that respect, right? Where, you know, um, I, I totally agree with you. I don't want to dishonor, uh, you know, my family's name, my mother, my father's memory, you know, uh, or any of that stuff. Um, and at the same time, I talk about that same, same principle with my daughter. You know, I don't, I don't tell her like, yeah, <laughs> don't go, don't go shame the family of Marley or you're going to be, have some consequences. But no, we talk about the idea of honor and courage and commitment to your family, to yourself. Um, and, you know, those are all also some core values of uh, the military that I learned in the Navy, too, which was, you know, uh, the honor, courage, commitment. Um, and, and so I think just and which I learned from my father as well, because he was in the military, which is why I went in the Navy in the first place, because when I was coping right uh, with his death and I didn't know what to do or where to go I said you know what I'm just going to change and flip the whole thing all upside down I, I, I left my standard high school that I was going to and went to a charter school so I could hurry up and graduate faster um, and I was 17 years old and poof I shipped off to the Navy and um, it was one of those things where like I felt that I felt that that was what I needed to do 
but uh, God had a different plan for me because I got uh, medically discharged two years later and sent back home. And uh, the first job that I got when I got back home was in uh, talk radio. <laughs> so wow. it was kind of wow. like, so it's uh, you know that idea where uh, you don't chase your calling, your calling kind of finds you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm tempted to take a copy of our episode and I'll just post it as a my wake up call episode. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. That, that Stranger yeah. things have happened. Yeah. No, I think the you know, last 40 some odd minutes that we've been talking to each other, we kind of, you know, I've touched on a, a multitude of different, you know, things. I think that a, a lot of the things that we've been discussing also are, are 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 very beneficial for our listening audience to 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 learn because I think that from an emotional standpoint and from a uh, personal development standpoint, like you know whether you're a parent, whether you work for somebody or you're an entrepreneur or whatever the case may be with your your business life, you know, these types of scenarios and conversations in, you know, getting grounded and uh, being your authentic self and understanding who you are and what you're trying to accomplish with your life and those types of things, you know, kind of set the foundation for your success on the business side. Uh, and I think it's important that people kind of take a step back sometimes and you know decompress from thinking about emails and you know all of those kind of things and and you know think about well okay how am I doing how is my family doing how are my you know my children how are my dogs doing you know um, and 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 focusing a little bit more on some of those aspects of their lives and not so much on the I have to get these tasks done I have to get these emails done because I can tell you right now that email that you think is so important it will be there tomorrow Right. And if it's so important that you need, think you need to overwork yourself to be able to do that, well, let somebody else who made the requested email tell you how important it is. Right. If they didn't tell you that it's very urgent and I need this today, well, then you don't need to give them that today whether you feel the urge to do so or not. And I, th I and I say that at the behest of wanting people to understand, to honor themselves. You know, I, I think that's a real good point. You know, when we're talking about people that we're honoring, one of the things that helped me to become sort of a better version of myself is that when these mentors of mine were alive, I would never want to say anything to them that would cause them to feel disappointed in me. And so it was interesting. If I wanted to really increase my commitment to something, I would say to one of my mentors, um, I'm going to share with you something that I'd like to commit to. And I'd like your help by next time we meet or a month from now, you don't even have to remember what I tell you. All you have to say is, how's that thing going uh, that you made a commitment to? Because the last thing I would ever want to do is tell you that I'm going to do something and not do it. And it's uh, and I find it really helpful to increase my commitment to something. Uh, and I will tell you, I would never tell them anything that I was committed to unless I was 150% certain I was going to do it. <laughs> but I think that's the power of honoring people who, uh, who believe in us, care about us, have our backs. And we don't see enough of that, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, getting getting back to 
you know, some older school connectivity and communication methodologies will help with that. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm a huge, you know, proponent of like limited screen time for children, uh, you know, as much as my daughter wants to play music videos on her phone, you know, or whatever, like, you know, she's not really learning anything from that. And, you know, uh, takes time away from like bonding and 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 being able to hang out like tonight i'm gonna this is gonna be a good one so uh the phoenix suns are playing the denver nuggets uh in the semifinals for the nba championship playoffs uh and so i didn't even know my daughter liked basketball i hadn't watched basketball for a long time because the nba uh my team the suns were terrible and so I'd pop in and watch a game or two every season. And I'm like, oh, these guys are garbage. And then they've been building this great, fantastic team for the last couple of years. And uh, I started playing the game when the series started. And my daughter goes, oh, the Phoenix Suns. I had no idea she even liked basketball. And it was one of those moments. Now it's like, oh, dad, when are the Suns playing? And when are the Suns playing? And it's now something that we have in common where, you know, it's something that we get to do together. That's her not playing video games or doing that, even though, yes, we are having their screen time involved. Um, but it's different because we're sitting there as a family having conversations. We're engaged. We're excited. We're happy. You know, all of those different things. And, you know, uh, finding that common ground with your family and, and, and your friends and the people that you want to honor is really important to me. So I want to give uh, give you a practical and tactical tip, and I'd love you to check back with me, or your listeners can say, "Oh, we tried that thing that the uh, that the doctor you had on suggested." So uh, I think I mentioned to you I've I've kind of shifted my focus from suicide prevention, which I still speak on, to how do you raise a willful child and prevent them from becoming an angry, defiant, and destructive teen. Yeah. And so uh, if you're listening in, and I'd like you to give this a, a try, Ryan, uh, and we're going to roll this out. So maybe you'll have me back in several months when we roll it out formally, but I'll give you the guts of it. And the guts of it is that we're having families uh, meet with their children every day. And, and they're all going to share four things. And the dad and mom are going to take the lead. And the four things are... Uh, you're each gonna share something that you felt upset about today. And I tell parents, don't scare your kids. Don't say, well, I lost my job. Looks like we're gonna have to move out of the house and we'll be on the street tomorrow. So, you know, don't come up with something that's gonna scare and overwhelm them. Something you felt upset about. The second thing is what was, what did it make you wanna do? And that's the most important thing. You're gonna verbalize your impulse. Oh, it made me want to quit. It made me want to yell. It made me want to, you know, take my phone and throw it against the wall. And the third thing is, what did you actually do? And then the fourth thing is, how did that turn out for you? Because see, a lot of times what happens is kids imitate their, their parents' behaviors, not what their parents tell them. James Baldwin said, children uh, never listen to their elders, but they never fail to imitate them. <laughs> and so if you can start modeling, you know, slowing down impulsivity, everybody feels upset about something. Uh, I got a parking ticket. What did you want to do today? Well, you know, I wanted to get a, get drunk because I was so embarrassed or whatever. What did you do? You know, I calmed myself down. I walked around the block. What did you do? Well, I just paid it online, uh, you know, so I could get it, you know off my head for feeling so, so stupid let's go over those four things again so it's uh what is one thing that you felt upset about 
right? Right. Uh, and then uh, what did it make you want to do? Mm-hmm. And then what did you actually do? Right. And what's the fourth one? Is how did that work out for you? All right. And then what you can add to that is, uh, but I think the four is enough with children, is what you learn from it? And you can, and that's a good thing to occasionally put in, but if you add what you learn from it, it's gonna start feeling like parents lecturing your children. So what was the lesson you learned from it? So you don't wanna push your luck, especially if they're teenagers. That'll work for the seven-year-old though. Yeah, and, and, and I will tell you something, we're already doing it and it's really helping marriages because what'll happen is husbands and wives or, or couples after they do that with their children uh, and the children go to sleep, what we're hearing is that uh, couples will say to each other, you know, what I was really feeling upset about was you. But rather than bring that up in front of the children, which was my impulse, but then what are they gonna do with it? I talked about something else and what did I do about it? I'm doing it now. I'm telling you that what you did upset me or disappoint me and please don't do it again. And That's how awesome. did that work out? That feels better than my snapping at you and being a bad role model for our kids. And, you know, this maturity stuff really takes a lot of effort. <laughs> you know, I, I what you just gave me right now is very invaluable. And you're giving it to me at a time where I'm literally dealing with um, some uh parental things at home with the with with the kid right I, I know right now when I go home and I say so uh, name one thing you're upset about and she's gonna first thing my daughter will say is you made me clean my room <laughs> mm-hmm. yep because I, I was just on the phone with my wife just before we had the interview and my wife says you know I asked her to clean her room it's been four hours and she's just sitting in her room playing. And I was like, okay, did you, was there consequences for that? Did you put some time parameters in there? Yes, I, I said, you have two more hours to get this room clean. And um, I've taken away devices as consequences. And, um, you know, she, she's not gonna be able to have the devices uh, back until she finishes cleaning her room. And- yeah, I'll tell you something I shared with my daughter. This boy, did you bring back a memory? And- <laughs> So she, uh, I, I'm blessed because I have three grandchildren. I get to see them every day. They're two and a half, uh, nine months and eight weeks. And all these cliches about grandparents and grandchildren are true. I never got to see mine because they lived at a distance. But one of my children uh, who, who has blessed me with two grandchildren, I remember years ago when she was six or seven, she had some friends over and she was really nasty to them. And I was a little embarrassed. And this is the power of intention as opposed to words. So what I said to her is I said, uh, you know, uh, when you acted that way with your friend, um, uh, that wasn't very nice. And um, and I looked at her and I said, uh, I hope that was just an accident because if you grow up to be someone who is nasty to people for no reason, she, she was seven. I said, if you, if you grow up and do that to people for no reason, and then I looked her right in the eyes 
And I said, I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to like you. And if you grow up to be someone I love and I don't like, and by this time, you know, I'm pleading with her to not be that person. My eyes are watering with emotion. I said, if you grow up to be someone that I love, but I don't like, you have no idea how unhappy our lives are going to be. So I just hope you're having a bad day. <laughs> and the point is, she didn't get the words, but she got the intention. And so maybe you or your wife can use that with your daughter. You can say, you know, uh, uh, when you when I told you to clean up your room and you didn't do it, I got upset because I felt like I was starting to fail you as your parent because my role with you is that when you hit age 18, I want you to be able to go out there in the world and be the best at everything. And in order to do that, it starts with little silly things that you don't want to do, like clean your room. And when I saw you not doing it, uh, I didn't like the idea of being a failure as your mom or your dad. So is any of this sinking in? That was two thumbs up, listeners. Yeah, that was that was that was that was absolute gold right there, Doctor uh, Mark Golston. Thank you again for joining us on Finding Your Frequency. Um, unfortunately, we've ran out of time for the day. Uh, I gotta, I have to fit the show in a in a, in a, in a specific block, just like Larry does. So, <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to thank you for being on the program today. It was a fantastic conversation. Um, I'm definitely going to put into practice these things that we just spoke about at the end of the show, and I'm going to start that today. Uh, and I definitely want to have a follow-up with you uh you know in in six months and and let's talk about how uh you know raising those children to not be angry hostile and violent i I love that you're doing that work and um you know any literature that you have on on that please send it on over um we definitely love to uh uh make that available or, or or even uh you know let us know where those books can be found and we'll put links to those in uh in the show description as well you can count on that and uh so we won't go two years with being strangers ryan all right we'll do this again sooner than that that sounds fantastic mark thank you so much for being on i appreciate it listeners thank you guys for tuning in we'll be right back here uh on the same channel next week 12 o'clock pacific time 3 p.m eastern on the voice america variety channel thank you all for tuning in have a wonderful weekend